Hello, and welcome to another episode of Gaming Couch, where we sit back and talk about video games, board games, card games, and the like. So pull up a chair, put your feet up, let's have a good time. Hello, everyone. I'm actually going to stay relevant for this episode, believe it or not. I'm not going back in time by two goddamn years. I actually have something relevant to talk about. Pokemon Sword and Shield. Or as I might call, Stabby Stab and Blocky Block, because where's my maturity? Now, the game just came out like the 15th or whatever, so fairly new. And I bought it on a whim. Now, full disclosure as I talk about this game, the last mainline Poke game I played was Diamond and Pearl on the original DS. Excuse me, I just ate breakfast. So... There's that. Like, there are going to be things here that I'm either like, oh my gosh, shocked by, or this, or that, or whatever. And it was kind of already established in X, Y, Sun, Moon, or what have you. I just haven't been on the up and up since Diamond and Pearl. Now, there are a few things like fairy-type Pokemon. I heard about that as games were released from some friends and things like that. It's like, there's little things I know about. But my big point here is there are a few things that I might comment on, like, hey, there's this new mechanic and it turns out, well, that mechanic was established in Sun and Moon already. So if I say something that was new, and it's not actually new, new, because it's within the next, you know, within the last generation or two, you know, that's why. So I apologize by making that mistake. Also, I bring that up because Sun and Moon might have also done some unique things I didn't get to experience because Diamond and Pearl was still very classic in how it worked. You know, how the story worked and this and that and the other things. So I feel, since Diamond and Pearl, that Sword and Shield are really trying to go out there and be unique in what they do. And at the end of this review, like I'll try to give a, a full verdict of my feeling on the game, but it's difficult to do. And as we talk about it, you'll start to kind of see why I'm going to have a tough time really establishing an opinion on this game. Now, while I do this review, I'm just going to have to, I'm going to play the game while talking because there's a lot to unpack here and just having the game next to me and kind of like dicking around in it while I talk is helpful for me. So let's start with some of the more, just, just like some house cleaning stuff. I mean, you still got the Mons. They they cut back on a lot of the Pokemon, so there's not a, as many as there are in previous generations. Like, uh, the Pokedex, let me see. I think the total, when I looked at the Pokedex, if I go, oh, nope, go all the way up to the top to then jump to the bottom, it's like 144. Oh, now it's updated 351. Okay, so it was updated over time. So the Pokedex is currently at 351. And I think it's only at 351 because I recently encountered a Pokemon who was number 351, and now that's where the Pokédex went up to. Before, it was at, like, 144. So, as with previous Pokédexes, it updates over time. They have some old Mons they brought back. Like, uh, you know, there's Metapods, Butterfreeze, Caterpies, Hoot Hoots... There's a number of returning guys, but there's also a number of new Pokemon, which is nice. So they have a mix of old, they have a mix of new, and 
they still have Gengar in the game, so I'm happy because Gengar is like the best. So they still got that. They still got the gyms. You still have to go through all the gyms, though the way they did it this time, there's more of a narrative behind it, which I'll get into later, which I think is a very strong part of the game, having that narrative build for the, the gyms. But let's get into a few like nitpicky things with previous iterations and how they changed. Like previous iterations of the game, there's some sort of team. You know, Team Rocket, Team Galactic, Team whatever you want it to be for that game. And a majority of the times, those teams are like, I don't know, enslaving Pokemon for their own gain or trying to, you know, take over these re this region for some reason. Or like Diamond and Pearl, the villain actually had like a reason to do things. Like he was trying to fuck up Dialga and Palkia because like screw this whole Pokemon ruling or something like that. I can't remember the exact details, but there, there were reasons. There was reasons behind what the team is doing and... You just being that dickwad kid kind of stumbled into their plans and ends up fucking everything up for them. I mean, Pokemon's not known for its stories, but it was just kind of cool, like, having, next to going through the gyms, just having this thing that happens over time. You know, that you get to get yourself involved in, mess around with, and, and things like that. And it gave you an excuse to really explore the cities you were in because hey team galactic showed up before you and they're screwing with this stuff and you can't you know go to the place you have to go to until they're dealt with so you got to go find out where they are so it was cool because you had reasons to do things so what team do we got in this game they are the creatively called team yell oh okay like whatever again Team names was never their strong suit. That's not a big deal. But what is Team Yell, you ask? Well, this will make a little more sense as we talk about how the gym thing works. But essentially, they are super fans of one of the challengers in the region. And so they dress like punk rockers to just cheer on their favorite person. And you encounter them because they're just obnoxious assholes. Like, at one point, I get to this one city, I'm like, oh, what's this way? Oh, I can't go that way because Team Yell is just standing there shouting about their, you know, their favorite person and cheering them on, so they're blocking that road. I guess I can't go that way. Like, there's no diabolical plan for Team Yell. They're straight up just punk rock-looking guys who are just obnoxious as fuck. Now, in the past, Team Galactic, Team Rocket, stuff like that, they obviously weren't exactly capable. A 10-year-old's defeating them. So they weren't a capable team, but because of their plan for taking over the city, enslaving Pokemon, stealing things, like, they had some diabolical plans. So it felt good encountering them. Like, oh, okay, yeah, like, it's a little bit of a nuisance that I have to go deal with the guys at the radio tower before I can continue here. But there's a reason to it. Like... They're using the radio tower for their own gains to push forward this plan to take over. And it's like, yeah, okay, I should probably go take care of that being the hero and all. But Team Yell, there is no diabolical plan. Like, when I see them, I'm not like, okay, let's fight. You know, when I saw Team Galactic, I'm like, okay, we'll do a quick fight. Like, I'll, I'll handle this. Team Yell, I don't want to. If I see them, I'm like, oh my god, I don't want to deal with these assholes right now because... It's not that their characters are bad and that the Pokemon they use in battle are bad. Like, they're the same thing. Like, they're a bunch of grunts. You know, they have, like, the same Pokemons. 
as all the other grunts. So they're built that way. It's just what they what they represent is just something I don't want to deal with. Now, the person that they're a super fan of is actually an okay person, and she does not seem to care for them at all. It's your standard, like, pop star has super fans, and the pop star is kind of like, okay, cool, people like me. Like, they don't really care or don't fully understand their super fans. That's what Team Yell is. They, they love this person, and she's kind of like, eh. Like, she doesn't really care for them. And you only see them with her so far in the game, for as far as I've gone, once. You get into one battle with her. She's like, hey, let's do a quick battle. I'm curious how strong you are. And then two of the fans just show up like, oh, we're going to cheer you on. That's the only time you see any interaction between them. So it's just these obnoxious dicks that I don't care for. Like The way they look, they have that punk look to them. They could have easily been vandals. Easily. Could have just been some vandals, some anarchist kind of thing. And you're dealing with them because they're in the region just fuck shit up. Like... In the past with other of these teams, but they didn't. It's their motive. And then at one point I ran into them and I had to fight them because they wanted to steal a guy's bike. Okay, the thing about that vandalism, like, oh, you're trying to take the guy's bike? Let me fight you guys. Like, I actually, I don't want you taking their bi- his bike. That was a reason to fight them. Another time I fought them, oh, this snake looks like it's trying to sleep. And I don't want you passing by because you might be loud, so I'm going to fight you. What? Like, they're trying to push a little more comedy, and it just doesn't work for the team. Because it's there's, there's no real direction with Team Yell, besides we're being obnoxious. It It's a sad thing. Now let's talk real quick. Again, these are like the, the little things before I get to the, the big picture, okay? The little things. Let's talk about their unique mechanic for the Pokemon battles. Because, you know, over time they started to invest and do, like, special things. You know, the the Pokemon battles had some very unique mechanic. I know X and Y had the Mega Evolutions that you could activate every now and then in combat by using certain stones with certain Mons, and they'd get super-powered just for that fight. So here, they have Dynamaxing. D-Y-N-A Maxing. Something like that. And boy, howdy, is it pointless. It's very, very, very pointless. The entire thing of Dynamaxing is the Pokemon grows to incredible size. I'm talking like three stories tall kind of size, so huge. And all it does, from what I've been able to tell, it increases the Pokemon's overall health, and then it modifies its ability. So the Mon does not keep the same abilities it had when regular when it Dynamaxes. They're the same typing. Like, if it had a water move, it still has the water move. If it had a dark move, it still has the dark move. What happens is it, mon- it changes it into a max something. So, like, pretty much all water moves turns into max geyser. All grass moves turn into max overgrowth. And most of them have at least base 100 damage or 100 power. And then just depending on what it was modified from, like, depending on the grass move used, max overgrowth could have 100 attack. It could have 130. Like, it... It varies. And that's really all it is. It's just I become bigger and my moves get a little more powerful and look a little cooler. Like, it's very cinematic. Don't get me wrong. And I'll get to the graphics and everything in a little bit. But it's it's not really needed because it only shows up in very specific situations. Mostly 
gym battles. When you take on the gym leader, it shows up and the gym leader Dynamaxes their final Pokemon. So I'm allowed to Dynamax, but I'm going to save it for the last Mon because that's when he, the gym leader is going to Dynamax. And also, because typing's a thing in Pokemon, grass type, fire type, ghost type, fairy type, and you have type advantage and disadvantage, Dynamaxing is not... There's no purpose of Dynamaxing because the typing still supersedes it. Case in point, the first gym leader, which is a grass type, I had a bug psychic type in my party, which I actually caught in, like, the first route, which is really cool. Again, I'll go to, like, some pauses I have for the game. I caught this bug psychic type, and he evolved before I reached the grass gym leader, the first gym. Well, I can tell you this much. The motherfucker tanked it. I uh, let this Pokemon out, and the grass gym leader only has two mons. So the first one wasn't a big deal. Like, the first Pokemon in any gym fight is just kind of like the warm-up round. You know, maybe it softens up some of your Pokemons if you didn't type right. That's really it. So first one was whatever. Then he lets out his second Pokemon. He's like, all right, time to Dynamax it. And it gets huge and everything. I'm sitting there like, all right, I'm curious because its moves are not very effective against me. I did not Dynamax my Pokemon. So I had a normal-sized Dotler just sitting there against this huge overgrown Elder Goss. The Elder Goss could barely touch my Mon. He tanked all three turns of the Dynamax. It's only a certain amount of time, three turns. He tanked all of the overgrowths that the Dynamaxed Elder Goss let out and wrecked it. There was no point to the gym leader Dynamaxing. Honestly, the only time you need a Dynamax is if you don't have a type advantage. Like when I went up against the water gym leader, I didn't have any real strong grass types in my lineup. So when she Dynamaxed her Dreadnought at the end, I had to Dynamax on my end just to contend with it. That was the only reason I Dynamaxed. So honestly, it's just kind of tacked on. It looks cool. Don't get me wrong. It's very cinematic. It looks awesome. And it kind of feels good at times. But it's just not needed. Because it doesn't balance in well with the way Pokemon works with its combat between type advantages and all that stuff. So, it's unique mechanic. The Dynamaxing kind of went down the drain. Which is a shame, because it also brings out another section of the game, which we're about to get to. So, those are, like, just two, two real quick things that I want to address. The Dynamaxing and Team Yell. They're not game-breaking at all, and honestly, it's not what determines my love for the game, because I'm going to be honest, in the other Pokemon games, like, Team Galactic, I remember them, because they were the team, but I don't remember their motive, I don't remember who their leader was, like, I don't really remember anything about them, like, the teams, again, the team was just kind of there to give you something to do at each town, so the fact that Team Yell is shit, I really don't care. The Dynamaxing, it's used so rarely in normal battles that I don't really care. But what about the rest of the game? How the game's actually set up? Well, first, the way they have the selection of Pokemons I really like. Like I said before, I got to the first gym and I already had a bug psychic type. Alright? That's because I found it in the first route. Like, the first route still has your standard lineup. You know, you can get your generic flying type. I think it's a uh, Hookadee is what it was called. That's 
in like the first route so you can get your standard flying. And then, oh, Rookady, sorry, Rookady. And then there's Skovet, S-K-W-O-V-E-T. Take that how you want. That's like your standard old type, like your Bidoof, your Ratatata, like he's there. But then there was, I, like I said, I caught this bug type Pokemon on the first route, Blipbug. It was just a bug, but then he evolved into a bug psychic, and he's become a cornerstone of my team now. Because a lot of times, like, the first, you know, one or two Pokemon you capture next to your starter kind of becomes, like, the cornerstone of your team. And the fact that I could have a psychic that early is really cool, because any early fighters I took on, fighting-type Pokemons, whether it was trainers or just wild Pokemon, which happened, it was cool, because I'm like, oh, cool, I already have some psychic ability on me. And I also have early access to Dark, because... The Psychic-type Pokemon sometimes have dark moves, and this guy, who's now Orbital, really cool name, can use some dark moves. So it was cool having early access to Psychic and Dark. It was great. So I liked some of their changes to how the Pokemon distributed. But now how about actually getting the Mons? Like, what does the world look like? Well, they try to do two things and this i want to talk about first because it kind of it's a it's a big nitpick of mine and then we'll talk about how the whole gym thing works out because it's a really strong part of the game the way they do the gyms in this game is it's a big positive so walking around the world they tried to do both you know how recently nintendo's been pushing a lot of like open world super mario odyssey breath of the wild like they're starting to take their ips and explore what would it be like if it was open world even kind of like World of Light in Smash Bros. is kind of that way. You're walking around this hub world doing various battles. So they're they're trying that out. And they tried it in Pokemon, but not fully. So Odyssey, you have your different worlds, yes, but once you land in the world, it's completely open. Breath of the Wild, just its own open world. In Sword and Shield, when you look at the map, you have two things. You one you still have your roots. And instead of doing like some random ass numbers, it's legit root one, root two, root three, root four. Like they just go up. They got very lazy with the root numbering on this, which is not a big deal. It's, it's whatever. The root numbers, it just was a way to distinguish root from root. So you still have your roots, yes. But then on top of that, in a decent chunk of the map is what they call the wild area. So remember the Safari Zone from some of the previous games where you would pay to enter this area and just walk around a bunch of different like tall grass areas and encounter a variety of different mons? Think of that, but on a much bigger scale, and it works as the interconnecting points. So the beginning of the game, which has a very lengthy tutorial, which kind of sucks, like it's there's so much talking, which carries throughout the game. You do you go along Route One and Route Two between these two little towns to learn how to battle, learn about, you know, the wishing stars, the whole, like, power source of this world, like, lore stuff, whatever. So you go through Route 1 of one and 2, and you get the basics of the game. Capture some mons, buy some stuff, and they have clothing stores. You can actually, like, customize how your character looks, which I love. That's actually one of the reasons why I bought the game. But once you finish up that tutorial, you do Routes 1 and 2, you get sent to your wild area. And this is where the game's open world. You're able, you're dropped into this huge area, and you're able to just run around it. And because of how they changed the game, 
Pokemon, instead of it just being I walk through the grass and encounter a Mon, the Pokemon actually, like, exist. Like, it's more of your classic JRPG, where you see the enemy on the map, and then you run into them to do the encounter. And that's how the whole game's set up. Like, even on the routes, you see the Mon, so you can easily dodge around Pokemon to get items hidden in the grass, and then leave and not fight, which I like. I kind of like that, that, that it's not just like, holy shit, well, stepping in this grass, fuck me, I don't have to fight, you know, five Mons in a row. So you get to wander this open world, which is honestly kind of beautiful. It, it, it really is. And you have to cross through the wild area to reach the next main area. So it's kind of segmented throughout the wild areas, where it's, you do route one and two, you go through the wild area, you then get to, was it, Motoskate? Motoskote, M-O-T-O-S-T-O-K-E. It's like the first main city. You do three gym battles there, and you have to go back to the wild area. This is where I am right now. Go back to the wild area to reach the next section where the next gyms are. And I just went through, like, I'm at that next area now. And I like, don't get me wrong, I like the whole wild area type thing. I think it's pretty cool because Pokemon... Out of all the different IPs that they have, Pokemon is the strongest bet for open worlds. Like Legend of Zelda, yeah, Breath of the Wild was cool, but the dungeons and the puzzles always what made the game great, and they don't really have that in that game. Super Mario Odyssey, it it was kind of like Super Mario 64 and Super Mario Sunshine, except with each world being mission-based. It was just you do whatever you want in that world, and there was no interconnecting hub worlds. Like, you just went from location to location, just do whatever the fuck you want there. So Odyssey wasn't doing anything really new and breathtaking for Mario. They kind of did that. So Pokemon, like, it it can flourish with this open world type thing. It's totally meant for that. But why is it not a strong suit? Because it's not focused. Like I said, it's split. You have the roots and you have the wild area. And the wild area, honestly, it's like hard mode. When I first stepped into the wild area, I'm like, okay, all right, this is pretty cool. And there's like, there's some old mods in there from like Gen 1. I'm talking uh, that poison mushroomy looking one from Gen 1. I, I honestly can't remember its name, like Gloom or something like that. The one that it's drooling and has like a mushroom head. Like, I found those guys there. I found Ghastly's there. Like, this is the start of the game, and I can get a Ghastly? Fuck yeah, I love Ghastly, because he turns into Gengar. So you have some older mons there, and some newer ones spread throughout this area. And then you go to fight them, and it suddenly says, you are facing a very strong-looking Ghastly. I'm like, the fuck? Okay, I'm level 12. My, my highest mon is level 12. That Ghastly is a 35. What? And the trouble is, most of the Mons in the wild area are this way. Most of the Mons in the wild area are 10 plus levels higher than you when you first get there. When you first show up to the wild area. And then after you take out that, the first three gyms and you go to like the next wild area to go to the next section, it does it again. Okay, I have level 30 guys now. Well, that's a level 50 Machoke. Fuck me. And there's no way of telling that the Mon is strong before encountering it. You take a huge, huge gamble. And it's not even like 
like there are some mons that are wandering outside the tall grass, which is kind of unique. And those are usually like the really strong types. But even the ones inside the tall grass can end up being very strong. Like I never caught a ghastly because when I was first going through the wild area, the only place I found ghastlies in was in the tall grass. And all of them were very strong. And I didn't know how to tell until I ran into them and found out, fuck me, I'm about to get destroyed. And it sucks. It it really, really sucks because it's cool that I'm able to just explore this whole area and yet not fight the Pokemon. Like, only be able to fight specific ones and even then not tell which ones I'm allowed to fight until I encounter them. And... Because of such high level, running away isn't guaranteed. Unless you have a Pokemon that has an ability that says running away is guaranteed, you're kind of fucked. You're kind of fucked if you run into one of these super strong looking Mons, which, again, you can't tell until you encounter them. And number two, they kind of just pop up. Like, I don't know if it was them trying to save on the hardware space and the processing power of the Nintendo Switch, but I've had it where I'm riding my bike. And then, boom, a Pokemon appears in front of me because it loads into the world. And I had it happen where two of my Pokemon fainted because I accidentally ran into a super strong-looking Pokemon and it wiped the floor through my guys before I could run away. And again, I didn't see it coming until it spawned on me. So it's painful. Like, I love, love going around the wild area, especially with your bike. It makes your bike feel so much more useful. Because in the past, you used the bike to go from route to route. Like, if it's a route you already completed and you just wanted to go from one town to another and you didn't have a flying Pokemon, the bike was great because just zip through the route. But here, like, I actually want to kind of stay around the wild area because it is rather large and the bike lets me traverse it quickly. And it's fun. Like, I get to explore this whole area on my bike. I just accidentally run into a Pokemon and all of a sudden I'm like, shit, now I got to deal with this. And the other problem with the open world is the dens. The dens was another excuse for the Dynamaxing to be a thing. And it flopped horribly. This is probably the weakest part of the game. So a den has a, for whatever reason, uh, like it teleports you to some other area or it's deep underground or whatever. But a Pokemon den has a single Mon that is automatically Dynamaxed. It, it just stays Dynamax the entire thing. It's supposed to be like a raid boss, all right? You only pick one Pokemon to go in, and you get a heads up. Like, it does a who's that Pokemon thing from the classic anime where it gives you the silhouette, but not the name of the Mon, but it also gives you what type it is. So at least you can plan which Mon you want to bring with you based on the type that you see. And then there's an effect. Like, you have 10 turns to take it down, and there are sometimes environmental effects. It always gives you this heads up. But once you get into the den... You are with three other people. Whether you do it online, you invite players, or it's NPCs. It doesn't really matter. There are four of you. So it's your four mons versus one Dynamax Pokemon. And why is this a problem? Well, like I said before, type advantage is a thing in this game. So you're supposed to have this big raid boss type Pokemon to take on. And I can kill it in one or two hits because type advantage is a thing. I don't need the allies with me i just drop in take care of it and leave that's that and the only time this didn't work out is there was one that i guess was like a super hard version that it actually had extra things like 
it got to go twice on its turn. Like the Dynamax Mon that we were fighting got to go twice. It would do a move and then use Curse to increase its power. It ended up at one point, it was getting low on health, and suddenly it got an overshield where the next three attacks that hit did nothing. It was actually kind of cool, but sucked. Because the three NPCs that were with me was an Eevee who couldn't attack. It just could support others, which it would support me. Okay, cool. Another Mon that we're fighting a Steel Grass type, and it had a Quillfish Water type. So its attacks did nothing to the like Its health bar didn't even move when the Quillfish attacked it. And the third one had a Soul Rock who might have been able to do damage, but because the AI be dumb, it did nothing but buff itself to increase its defenses. So I was ripping my hair up, being the only one attacking this fucking thing. And again, you have ten turns to take it down. Even when I Dynamaxed the one time I was, because you only have Dynamax once, I wasn't able to take it down while Dynamaxed. So it was the first time that I was like a raid-style boss, but the NPCs I was given were trash, and it just was a, it was a slog. It was a real slog to take that Mon down. I mean, I captured the Pokemon in the end because you're allowed to do that. Like, when the Dynamax is defeated, you can capture it, and then it returns to its normal size, and you have it. So I got that out of it. It's It, it just doesn't work because, again, I, I go back to the type advantage. The, the main cornerstone of Pokemon was type advantage 1v1 battles. Like, if your opponent is about to send out Ghastly, you're going to send something that's good against Ghost, and you're not going to send out your own Ghost type because he's going to get destroyed. You know that. So if I know I'm about to take on a Dynamax grass type, I'm just going to bring my far- fire starter type Pokemon and wreck it in a turn. Because that's what you do in Pokemon, is you pick the right Mon for the battle. It, it hurts. It really hurts that there's no point to these dens. Because when you beat the den, you get a shit ton of loot. It's a straight up raid. You get what they call TRs. So now TMs are permanent. You can use them endlessly. There's no limit. TRs are one-time use. So you get one or two TRs for taking out a den. So you get, you you know, a move for... If it was a fighting-type Pokemon, you get one or two fighting-type TRs or a psychic or a grass or whatever. And then you get some berries because you use berries to do berry things with your Pokemon to buff them in combat remove status elements for, while they're holding them, or for cooking, because you can camp, which I haven't brought up, but the camping is like, it's cool. That's that. And then you also get XP candy. There's still rare candy in the game, where you can use rare candy to level up one mon once. They still have that. But they also have XP candy now, where it's like, oh, this is a XP candy small. It's worth 500 experience points. You do a couple dens, and you suddenly have like, 30 different types of XP candy, allowing you to power level through things. So the dens are so easy to take on that I just farm the candy. So that way, like, for example, the fire type gym leader, I didn't have a really strong contender against fire type at the time. So I'm like, fuck me. Let me go get a water type real quick. Well, here's the problem. The only water types that really worked for me were... 15 levels under for like let's say like I was level 30 at the time and I only found like level 15 water types from a previous route oh let me just take five like legit like a minute to five minutes depending on the animation time to take out a a few dens I got some candy boom I now have a level 30 water type just like that they got rid of the grind like 
the the dens are supposed to be the counter to grinding in a way where you just get all that candy to quickly level up your Pokemon, which is cool. Like I I don't mind it because I remember in the past when I wanted to switch to a new mon for my team, if I didn't capture it along a route that I was on, I would be grinding or having to get an XP share to bump him up so he could be on par with the rest. Being able to do this and just power level it, yeah, it feels like a shortcut. However, my team is constantly changing now. Like, I'm happy with the fact that I can actually look at my team and build a team with good type coverage because I know no matter what I do, I can level them quickly to be on par with me. I can do that. I can go farm XP candies and ensure that, okay, this guy that I just dropped in, this this Drift Bloom that I just picked up because I really like Drift Bloom, I'll be able to use him without spending three hours just leveling him up and no one else. And then with that, XP shares always on. Whenever you capture Pokemon, whenever you're done camping, whenever you defeat Amon in combat, all of your Pokemon who aren't fainted, right, they have to be alive, get XP. So this is the first time I ever had a Gyarados because I captured a Magikarp and instead of having to make combat start with the Magikarp out and then switch them out and, you know, have my new Mon take damage or going to get an XP share to have the Magikarp pulled onto, the Magikarp just being in my party got XP. Just like he just got it. He got less, obviously. Like if the Pokemon was out in combat and encountered the opponent, they get much more XP, obviously. But still, the fact that XP share is always on does help the game move forward. It does prevent a lot of like backtrack grinding and it allows a lot of flexibility in your team, which for me is a huge benefit because part of Pokemon is making the team you want. And the fact that I can much more easily make the team I want by using candies and having XP share always on is nice. I I really like that change. I think that's a very strong part that Sword and Shield has going for it. Because then I'm I'm spending more time checking out the wild area and exploring it. It doesn't feel like a necessity, which makes it that much more enjoyable. I don't mind going through the wild area because I want to. Yeah, I'm not going to fight most of the mons there because they're grossly overpowered for me. But it's fun to go around and, like, I collect items. I look for berry trees so I have enough berries for cooking. You know, I check out, oh, what's that building over there? Oh, what's that NPC over there selling? Because you can buy things from NPCs in the wild area. I get to go there, which makes it much more enjoyable when you're allowed to decide what to do. I'm not going back because I'm forced to. I'm going back because I am allowed to. I have the choice to. It's much more rewarding for that reason. So kudos to them for finding a way to not make leveling up a huge slog in this game. I I approve of it. So that's the wild area in a nutshell. It's beautiful. It looks amazing. It has different sections with different mons in each section. And honestly, it's a treat to explore. If the game was simply open world like that, so it was balanced more, I think it it would have been beautiful. Now let's talk about the whole gym thing, the whole narrative piece. Okay, Because every Pokemans, you have the gyms you go through. To get to the end contender, the champion, to beat him, and the entire time you're up against your rival. And your rival's like someone you know from your childhood. Well, they still have that. They still have the childhood rival. So, 
Good. We covered that. But the gyms themselves. In this game, they, again, Sun and Moon might have done this. Okay? So take, keep that in your mind. I never played Sun and Moon. Okay? So if this is a rehash, I apologize. The gyms feel a lot more present in this game. So at the start of the game, you and your best bud, it's not like I want to be Pokemon champion. It's I want to get into the gym challenge so I have a chance at being the champ. Because the way it's made up in this region, it's you have to be endorsed by somebody to enter what's called the gym challenge, which is taking on the eight gym leaders to have a shot at the champ. And luckily, your childhood friend, his older brother, is a current champ, so the current champ endorses the two of you. So that's like the opening thing is, you know, getting endorsed by the champ and learning the ropes so you can enter the gym challenge. And then once you enter the gym challenge, it actually starts you off at the third gym because that's like the first main city has the third gym in it. And you go into that arena and you're introduced to all of the gym leaders. They make this, this is actually like a huge part of the region's culture. And some of the gym leaders actually comment on that. Like, hey, this whole Pokemon battling thing we do, this whole gym challenge is a major part of our culture. And it's good to see new young blood doing it so you can keep up the tradition. So you enter the stadium full of people. Like it's, it's a football stadium. It's straight up a football stadium. The, the gyms look like football stadiums. And so there's all these people cheering you on and taking photos and stuff like that. And you get introduced to all the gym leaders saying like, Here's this guy. He was Milo, the grass type. Nisa, the water type. Um, what was his name? Raidu or something like that. The fire type. And they go through all the gym leaders, introducing all of them at once. And it's like, holy shit. Like, it feels amazing. Like, it's, it's an actual thing. This is a once-a-year event, and you're a part of it. And it feels good. And so the rest of the game is going to each town to collect the badges to then take on the champ. That's standard. However, because you meet the gym leaders in the beginning and they actually pop up throughout the world, they feel more like people. Like you meet Milo right away and introduce himself because like, oh, hey, I'll be seeing you guys soon. I'm the first child. I'm the first gym. Catch you later. And then on the way to his gym, you actually bump into him again. And he, you know, talks to you a little bit. And it happens with each gym leader. You kind of run into them here and there. Like I just ran in as I was leaving the newest city. To go to the fourth gym, I bumped into the fairy type gym leader. And she was just kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm curious to see how you're doing. It's, and that's the thing. Since it's a competition, the gym leaders are like, hey, I'm curious how you're going to do. I'm, I look forward to facing you because it's a, it's a cultural phenomenon. It's this whole cultural thing. And so the gym leaders aren't just some person you're getting to that they're waiting for you. No, they're actual humans that are walking around the world, interacting with others, being a part of this grand event. And they want to meet the challengers. They're like, yeah, it's almost kind of important that the gym leaders lose because a gym leader losing means there's another potential champion. Like, there's someone worthy of the title, and they respect that. Like, at the end of every match, they shake your hand. They give you some words of advice and some encouragement, saying, like, hey, you did good. By the way, the next guy, it's good. Like, when he beat the water-type gym leader, she's like, hey, you defeated me, but I'm just letting you know that fire-type gym leader, most people quit at that point. Be ready for a fight. He's a, a tough opponent. And then you actually meet him, like, in a mine, and he talks to you like, hey, yeah, thanks for helping me out. I'll be waiting to see you, you know, get ready for this fight because I don't pull punches. And then you encounter him, and he does exactly that. Like, he kind of lives up to that reputation, and he shows it. Like, his emotion is there. His entire demeanor, it's there. It, it shows this challenger. And because they make a big deal about him being the roadblock 
for most challenges. Once you beat him, it's actually this really cool, heartwarming area. As you're leaving the city that his stadium is in and you're heading off to the next area, he actually catches up to you and the other two gym leaders, the first two, the grass type and the water type, they all show up and they're like, hey, by the way, you know, we know that a lot of people don't make it past us three. Like we know that as we've been through it a lot. So we're here to officially congratulate you and wish you luck on what's going forward because it only gets harder. And it's like, this feels good. Like the gym leaders feel like people. Now, it's not just like, you know, Sergeant Surge, I think was his name, like the other type gym leader. I just kind of run into him. Like very few of the gym leaders in the previous games had a personality outside their gym. But these leaders do. You see them and you talk to them and they do these cool little things like seeing you off saying, you're doing good so far in this challenge that you're doing. Keep it up. They're supporting you. And they also have league cards, which the gym leaders are like, yeah, I'm not going to tell, like, if you want to know more about me, here's my card. Like, it's like trading cards. And on the back, it tells you more about the person who gave you the card. So they don't dump lore and exposition on you about who they are. It's like, hey, if you're, like, you you kind of know who I am already as a character because you're a kid in this world who loves Pokemon. So if you really want to know more about why I started this, here's my card. I'm not going to drown the player out with all this mishmash talking, which is nice because a lot of the game, especially the start, there's a lot of talking. Like, oh, you get to this new town. Oh, person wants to talk to you for five minutes. Oh, this, talking about this. Oh, that, talking about like that. There's a lot of dialogue in the game outside the gym challenge, which sucks. So when you actually meet the gym leaders, they're quick and to the point. And then how about the gym fights themselves? Well... They do missions. So again, the stadiums actually feel like an important part of the world. So when you reach the stadium, when you walk in, it's not just you entered the gym, there's a bunch of trainers and then the gym leader. It's actually like the lobby to a stadium. There's people there talking, there's gift shops, there's a Pokemart, things like that for you to interact with. And then when you're ready for the challenge, it's like, all right, change into your uniform because this is a challenge. It's it's like a sports thing. Think of it like a sports thing. You have a uniform to wear. All right, you change your uniform, time for the mission. And the mission is some sort of unique challenge to the gym that you must complete before you get to the gym leader. So the grass-type gym leader, you had to herd Wulu, like sheep. You had to herd them through various obstacles to take down barriers to get to the grass-type gym leader. The water-type gym leader, it was a maze-like thing. Like, there's a bunch of different pipes that are, you know, releasing water on the, the pathways. You have to shut the pipes off, turn them on, stuff like that, just to get a, a solid path, you know? And each of these challenges, like, there are trainers there. The grass-type guy, you don't have to fight all the trainers because you can walk around them. The water-type gym, you actually have to encounter all the trainers. And the fire-type, its challenge is you get points by either knocking out or capturing wild Pokemon that they have released in the stadium. So you don't have to take on any of the trainers. You just, you're, it's kind of like a race where every wild encounter you have it's you and another trainer, and you're both trying to, like, beat each other to the punch to capture the Pokemon. I just kept throwing great balls and captured every Pokemon on the first turn, so it was an easy win. But still, like, it, it was cool that I didn't have to take on any fire-type trainers to get to the fire gym leader. It was just capture some mons and move on. These are really cool. Like, I really like the fact that gyms have a personality. Like, the gym leader themselves has a great personality. The gym themselves have a personality like i get to that stadium i'm curious what's the gimmick here and it's not just like what's the gimmick i'm trying to solve with fighting trainers it's 
don't know. It's, it's something more than that. Like, yeah, every other gym was amaze, essentially. Every gym in the classic lineup was just amaze. It was just, what you know, what's the quickest route to get to the gym leader that either makes me face the least amount of trainers or the most trainers, depending on what I want to do. That was it. Here, no, there's like an objective. There's a unique objective to each one. I just, I don't think there's an ice type gym leader in this game. I pray to God there isn't because I can't handle more sliding on ice. All right. I, I hope that's not a thing in this game because that was annoying in Diamond and Pearl. <laughs> Trying to find your way through that gym. I hated it. So that's a, like, I love it. I, I love the narrative of the gyms. I'm excited to get to the next gym. Not because it's just the next marker. It's, no, who's that gym leader going to be? What interaction are we going to have with them? What's their challenge going to be? And then when you face the gym leader themselves, again, it's like a football stadium. There's a bunch of people there, like, cheering you on. It it feels good. It, it feels good. Like, this is a big deal, what you're doing. It's not just fighting a bunch of gym leaders to become champ and no one really knows about you. It's no, people know you. People talk about you. People see you in the stadiums. It feels real, and I I like it. I, I think it's an incredibly, incredibly strong point the game has. Like It's its biggest strength, how it does the gyms in this game. I, I love it. I absolutely love it. And hell, the last gym leader, the eighth gym leader, the dragon-type guy, after you take on the first three and you beat them, you get to his city, where his stadium is, and you hang with him a little bit. You talk to him. He's like, oh, hey, let me go show you something real quick. You know, I want to tell you something about this world. Like, he's a dude. He, he's, a, he's a dude that you just get to kind of talk to a little bit and get to know a little bit. It's awesome. The, the gym leaders are amazing in this game, without a doubt. And then there's uh, the other part. So you know how Team Yell is just supporting some random trainer? Again, it's not even a gym leader that they're supporting. It's just some random chick going through the challenge. So since they're just being an obnoxious nuisance, well, who's the big bad of the game? It's probably the chairman because there's a chairman, the guy who's in charge of all this, who is like credited for you know scientific marvels and breakthroughs with wishing stars to generate power for the whole region and all this, that, the... It's probably like the chairman because, you know, big corporation got to be bad. But the reason why I'm saying it's possibly the chairman is he has this really weird scientist chick always with him that you don't know anything about. And there is his endorsed trainer. He endorsed somebody to go through the challenge who I thought was an old lady. I'm not going to lie. Big blue eyes. What looks like kind of like that grayish white kind of like curly. Like whenever you think of old lady, you think of that wig that's kind of like like random strands of curly hair and kind of like poofy and they're always walking around in one of those very lengthy like purple almost like winter coats you know the, you know the ones that aren't poofy they're just incredibly long on the sleeves and the legs and it looks like it's just giant like patches sewed together and it's like purplish pink it looks like a grandma apparently it's some dude they keep saying he 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 so it's some dude but looks like a fucking grandma so I don't know who the fuck this person is, but apparently they're endorsed by the chairman, and they're just an obnoxious asshole. Like, oh, well, you have a wishing star on your bracelet to Dynamax people? Well, I want to fight you so I can get that wishing star for reasons that I won't say. So essentially you have two rivals. You have that jackass, and you have your childhood friend. And then there's, like, the chairman themselves, which 
there's probably something bad about them. I don't know. The chairman just, because he wants to be incognito during the event to visit the cities. So he's walking around in swim, swim trunks and a hoodie. Like, I, I don't know. It's, I don't know what's going on with the whole, like, overarching story about, like, what the whole region is. Because Team Yell isn't the bad guy here, so there's nothing to hold on to. There's, like, Team Galactic, yes, I understand. They are bad. They are doing bad things. I understand the loose narrative that the Pokemon has game based on Team Galactic. But here, there's just too many moving parts. And there's, so far, I'm on my way to the fourth gym right now. So far, there's nothing holding it together. There really isn't in terms of, like, loose story and bad guys. Like, I don't know who the bad guy is. I'm honestly, I don't give a shit. Because I'm loving the gym battles. That's all I care about. So they didn't even they didn't even need a bad guy for this game. I'm gonna be honest. If they had the open world aspect of the wild areas, if that was the whole game, and then each town had its gym and you had to go to each town and complete those gyms, and it wasn't in order. If it was mostly just like based on like your level kind of picked the order you went in, but let's say like the first three gyms were all roughly the same level, so you could possibly take on the fire type early if you wanted to. It'd be a little harder. And the only stopping block, stopping power is, like, who you, what Pokemon you run into, because without HMs, there's no, I need cut to cut down this tree blocking the next gym. There's none of that. In fact, you get so many TMs, it's ridiculous. If they just stuck with the wild area op- open world aspect and let the gyms be that driving narrative they wouldn't need anything else because team yellow is stupid and pointless and their whole, there's a bad guy. I don't even know who it is. I, and frankly, I don't care at this point because it hasn't given me anything to really hold on to. It's going to be some really weird dude. Who's a grandma is apparently the person I should hate, even though I don't care about them. I have no reason to care about them. At least when your rival was your childhood friend, that's someone I can understand. They're my childhood friend. And when I face them, I'm like, oh, God, I got to fight. Like, it was annoying, yeah, but at least I understood. Like, okay, yeah, this guy, I understand the motive. I understand why I need to fight them. I get that. This other guy who I've battled like three times by now, I, I just, I don't fucking know. He's just some dick who drabbles on about needing wishing stars to fulfill the chairman's desire. But every time I talk to the chairman, he talks about other things like, you like you see him talk to these people. It's not not it's not hidden. Like this dude grandma mentions he's working for the chairman. You see him talking to the chairman. They talk about needing wishing stars, but then the chairman sees you like listening into their conversation and walks over like, Hey, what's up, man? Oh, let's go get some dinner over here at this restaurant. It's really cool. Like nowhere does the chairman bring up the whole fact that he wants the wishing stars for some reason. Like it's very hush hush to you. You know it's there. You see it. You're very aware of the situation, but no one tells you dick. So I just don't care. I got a little tense there. I apologize. But it's like, why? Why are you dragging the game down with this? You don't need to. Lastly is the battles themselves. If you ever played Pokemon Coliseum, Pokemon Same, or anything like that, it goes back to that. Like floating camera. It'll do the split. Like it'll show the two Pokemon facing off and stuff like that. So, it's cool. I, I I really like how they did the battles. All I'm going to say about that, the way the battles look are amazing. And I'm really, really happy they, they did it. 
So to summarize, Sword and Shield tries to do a little too much. It tries to be a traditional Pokemon game with the roots and the linearity, but it also gives you the open world. But the open world, it does not scale with the roots as it should. It's two different scalings. It's two different leveling. The dens and the Dynamaxing are completely useless and completely trash. The only reason why I go to the dens is to get TRs and to get level up candy. I, I, I do it because I have to, in a way. Like, it's nothing like, okay, I'm doing a raid now, let me get ready. It's like, I bring the same Pokemon every single time because it doesn't really fucking matter. The gym's fucking amazing. I love them. I love everything about the gyms. I love the gym leaders. I love how they do the missions and how every gym stands for something. It, it stands for the next hurdle in your challenge, and people know about it. People are talking about it. People congratulate you, and the gym leaders feel human. It's amazing. And the Mon selection, even though they got rid of a lot of classics, and they might have shrunk it down a little bit, I, I like their selection of Pokemon, and they have some pretty new, unique styles. So far, in terms of new Pokemon, I haven't run into any trash bags yet, so it's really nice. Like The Pokemon feel like Pokemon, which is great, because there was that time where it's like chandeliers and ice cream and trash bags. They, they ran out of ideas. This The Pokemon feel like Pokemon, which is amazing. And I've run into a number of bug type, which is kind of cool. Like I feel like I rarely ran into bugs in the past. So it's nice, like, seeing that diversity with bug types. That's not just a bug. I got this guy that looks like a giant Terminator, and it's a bug type. It's pretty cool. Uh, that's that's a summary. That, that's a summary of Sword and Shield. It's just... I can't fully say, yes, go buy it. Okay? I, I can't 100% back the game, but I'm not going to completely disregard it. It's niche it's it's very very niche and again the parts i like i really like and the parts that i don't like i find that it's just filler that the game didn't need so it's not like it's not that i hate tbl it's not that i hate this whole narrative thing they're doing with the chairman i just don't see the point of it when you have a great idea in terms of the wild area and you have this whole great situation where the gym challenge is actually like a huge event the entire region knows about. There are strong points the game has that it didn't fully follow up on. It tried, again, it tried to do both. It tried to be old pokey and new pokey at the same time, and it it didn't help the game overall. I'm still enjoying it enough to keep it going. Like, again, I want to I know who the champ is. You meet the champ right away. He's a big deal. Like, I want to beat the game. I really do. So I'm going to keep going. There's enough in the game keeping me going. All right? So there's that. that that's like a note of positive for the game. There's enough goodness and enough interest in who the characters are for the challenge that I'm going to keep going and playing it. Which is a good thing because when I first got to the wild area, my first day playing it, it was like kind of at night. Because I watched a YouTube video and I decided to download it. So when I first booted up, I only played for maybe like two hours or so. And those first two hours was going through the incredibly lengthy, just dialogue-filled tutorial area, which was a slog. And then unleashed me into the wild area that had super overpowered Pokemon. I was generally curious if I could refund the game, which I couldn't. 
And in the end, I'm kind of glad I didn't refund it because again, I'm I'm getting enough out of it. I'm getting enough out of it that it warrants my money, I feel. But I could definitely see people not liking the game. So it's in the middle for me. I'm not giving my stamp of approval, but I'm not saying avoid it. I'm in the middle about it. So look into it. Think about it if you've been thinking about it. It's a, it's a possibility of a game that you would enjoy. If you like Pokemon because you like Pokemon, you'll probably enjoy it. Because there's enough Pokemon in it to get out of it. And honestly, the game looks nice. The animations are pretty cool. And the Pokemon have personality. And the characters have personality. So there's that. Just don't expect anything interesting in terms of narrative or an overarching villain. Because there is none. I'm going to sign off for now. All right. I'm going to uh, go back to playing sword right now because I want to get my Pokemon's leveled up, man. I, w- I want to take on the next gym. That's all I care about in this game, which is a good thing. Again, the fact that I want to get to the next gym, it's it's a good thing. That's what's keeping me going. So I hope this was a helpful review in a way. I got emotional at times. You can tell I get emotional when I start to talk fast and talk louder. So I'm trying to stay more mono, not monotone, but even toned throughout it. And it gets hard at times when it's, you get wrapped up in things, you know. So thanks for listening. I hope you all have a wonderful day and a wonderful week going forward. I hope to. It's, it was a long week last week, so hopefully this week's a bit easier. So everyone, enjoy. Take care. Stay beautiful. You know the drill.